Hello and welcome to Arvid and Tyler Catch Up. Uh, I'm Arvid. I'm Tyler. Let's catch up. <laughs> catch up, yeah. We've been off air for a week, I guess. Like we missed mm. a week. Mm-hmm. Because we, and that's what we said from the beginning with the podcast, we're going to take time for ourselves when we need to. And the podcast mm. will be done the week after. And this is one of those occasions. I'm, I'm really happy about this. That, that we can do that, that we don't feel bad about it. At least I don't. It was nice to just say, yep, sure, let's do it next week. We'll have more to talk mm. about. That was really mm-hmm. fun. So let's let's get into these two weeks that we've been uh, spending not doing this podcast, podcast and just talk about all the things that happened. Why don't you start? I think you were out and about. Is that right? Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Last week I got outside. Um, so I did uh, some rock climbing in Colorado, which was fantastic. Um, it's one of my, one of my favorite activities by far. And I find it, um, I find it very almost meditative in a way. It's a very sort of focusing activity. Um, sort of a thing that, uh, I don't get it just from like going to the gym, lifting weights or running. I feel like my mind can still kind of run in the background while I'm doing those things, but there's something about being several hundred feet up in the air, uh, that really just shuts off everything. Um, and so that was uh, super helpful, super re-energizing. Yeah. So, um, that was great. And then, um, work-wise, I think, you know, just been really settling into doing a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the, the actual work of investing. So meeting with lots and lots of founders, um, working through, you know, some of their situations, things like that. It's been, it's been pretty interesting. Um, would say that, uh, I don't know if we want to talk about it or not, but, um, like, uh, there's been a lot of founders that are in slightly sort of sticky situations, it seems like. A lot of folks who kind of accidentally, not accidentally, but they raise a, a chunk of money in the last two years when money was getting thrown around. Um, and then they you know, had that money, so they grew the team, and so they grew their monthly burn rate. And they have a product that's live, that's good, that's making some money, but you know the math just doesn't work right now. Like the product's not growing, or the revenue's not growing fast enough to get to break even on the team that they have. And they're kind of facing a lot of these tough choices of do we, you know, we just hired all these people, do we lay off 40% of them to get back on a course to, you know, where things are sort of normalized? Or what do we kind of like try to raise more money and try to, you know, keep going this way. So um, it's been, it's been good. It's been kind of challenging some of the conversations for sure. Um, Trying to figure out, okay, great founders, great business. How do we make this all kind of work? Um, So it's been um, yeah, interesting, but, you know, really fun to, to really get back directly to the work of investing in founders. So that's been great. What yeah, about you? I bet. Yeah. The, it, it's funny. It does remind me what I've been doing. Like for my little media business, I'm always on the, the look mm-hmm. for sponsors, right? I always mm-hmm. need people that, to put their names and things into my newsletter or podcast or whatever, because that's how I monetize the business. Yeah. And I feel Something you just described about like things not working the way they did a couple of years ago. That's mm. pretty much what I'm experiencing from this perspective as well. I've had a yeah. chat with Danielle over breakfast this morning and we were also talking about like how just the, the purchasing decisions of people are very different now. Like there used to be a time where people would put ads for all kinds of things and all kinds of campaigns all over the place, right? You would have these direct conversion purchasing ads that are 
fairly common like people click on it you convert that you get paid something like that or the the, the person uh, in whose property it is gets paid and mm -hmm. and those are the only things that people are still spending money on but other things mm -hmm. like just awareness ads brand awareness ads or just even supporting somebody to get some kind of recognition in the community all these things all these kinds of sponsorships they're gone and I've mm. been struggling to find the same quality of sponsors that I did in the past for this reason. Because mm -hmm. I don't want my newsletter or my podcast to be full of click this link to make this worthwhile for me. Right? Mm -hmm. I want this company, this person supports the bootstrap founder or the projects that I'm working on. And therefore, you should also support them. That's the kind of sponsor that I want. But that is hard to measure. And in an economic downturn, anything that is hard to measure is not interesting because now mm. you really need to make every cent count. Right? So I, I see a lot of a lot of sponsors, particularly from India. That's something that I've noticed. Like companies that are either headquartered or or heavily um, outsourced to India, they are super super interested in numbers. And if those numbers aren't what they thought it would be, they get they they pressure you. They try to pressure you into into things like I'm not going to divulge too much about this, but they, they want more for free because their uh, expectation wasn't met. Right. That's, oh. that's kind of where this is going. So that, that has not happened over the last couple of years, but now I see more and more of this because they have to report to somebody, they have to show numbers. Right. And if they don't, they have a problem. And in an economic downturn, losing your job over numbers, you didn't create, and it didn't mm. have nothing to show for that becomes uh, an existential risk. So people get easily frustrated and, quite quite easily in, into the kind of pushy pressury mode. So that's what I've been noticing and that's what I've been doing mostly over the last couple of weeks. Obviously I've been writing and, and recording and that kind of stuff, had nice conversations with lots of cool people, but the, the biggest thing that I've been constantly doing was lining up sponsors for the months to come because mm -hmm. that is usually, it usually takes some time to get that set up. So that has been a, it's a very active selling period for me because I have to still sell people in a placement, right? Even though yeah. I think 50 some percent of my sponsors just come in organically through Twitter and connections, but the rest of the slots I have to sell. And I've noticed that very strongly that the quality of what people want is very different from the quality that it used to be a couple of years ago. Hmm. How do you think about, I'm curious about this because I, I've, you know, observed a bunch of these kind of independent media businesses, but I've never actually sold uh, sponsorship slots like this. Um, and it's always wondered to me, like, how do you assess the value of using that, uh, that real estate, if you will, um, to just promote your own products versus other people's products? Yeah, in in a newsletter where I wouldn't already do that, that would probably be a good idea. But I already have like a little or not so little image with all my products in my newsletter itself. Not as much mm -hmm. on the podcast, but it is good real estate for me just to ramble on about my own stuff because nobody is limiting me to what I can and cannot say on my own show or in, in my sure. own newsletter. So that is definitely great. But I feel just as much as I don't want to oversaturate people with ads in general, I don't want to oversaturate them with just my stuff. Right. And, and mm. some, if not, if not all of the time, the sponsors that I find are services that I either use myself or have strong ties to, to the founders in many ways. So it's kind of a community service that gets compensated. 
because mm. I get something out of it because I get to highlight somebody who's in the, the industry and the community with us, uh, with me and the, the, with, with my readers, I guess. My readers get something out of it because it tends to be a really, really useful thing. Other things that, that wouldn't be as useful, I don't allow to get into the sponsor slots. And for the sponsor, obviously, they get both the readership to see what they, what they do and they get the kind of reputational attachment to my brand. So it's mm. kind of the win-win-win situation that I'm trying to go for. And if I wouldn't do this, I would have just just a win-win situation, <laughs> you know. It would just be it just be pretty just be too. me, and it would be kind of cool. But I again don't want to oversaturate people with the same ad all the time. I know that this probably would work, and I would get a lot of conversion there more than I already have, which I'm fine with. I, I don't think I need to push it more. I, what I want in, my, in for my products in particular, particularly for my books and and my course, is that people talk about it because they consumed it and it helped them. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I don't want to push it in front of people who don't need it, right? Because that's that's the worst when people buy something they don't really need. And I don't. I don't have that pressure, and um, I would rather it be recommended by somebody who actually found use in it, and then I amplify this. So that's that's mm -hmm. how I, that's my philosophy to advertising in my own newsletters. I sometimes do when I don't fill a slot. I often just put my own stuff in there. But mm -hmm. when I do fill a slot, it, it also enables me to build a, a relationship with a potential client. I consider myself kind of an agency that places mm -hmm. ads or sponsorships or whatever you want to call it in media, which is also mine. And I know that if I double my readership over the next year or two, the, the potential compensation for a placement also doubles, if not gets higher because of, you know, the network effect that comes with this. So yeah. it, it is also relationship building with potential customers that have a, you know, a, a net, net benefit in the future for me. Mm -hmm. why, why, let me push you a little bit on that. I'm curious, why don't you want to oversaturate your audience with your own products? Presumably you believe because you know you're selling these sponsorship the sponsorship real estate to other people's products so you think it is a good way to you know drive customers or drive an audience to to convert on a product what 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 do you think would be bad about oversaturating do you have like evidence of that or you've heard from it or you've seen it elsewhere where um it's it's bad to to be you know just saying, hey, you know, here's my great content. And by the way, here's the ways that you can support me. And, and like, that's the, the singular message. Yeah, there's that's really nothing wrong with it. Right? I'm, I don't yeah. feel like in, the term oversaturating has a kind of connotation that it, that is something wrong or, or something right. harmful. And I don't think it would be. But I, I do feel I, I do, I do want to spice it up a little. Like, I kind of want to make this newsletter interesting to others because I also believe that um, somebody who has a vested interest in an issue of a newsletter being read because they have a placement in there, they will do community work to get people onto my newsletter. So it's both a mm. reader recruitment scheme, particularly as I advertise in the community. Right. It, has a, it is an immediate monetization scheme. Like people pay me for the placement. Right? It's not mm -hmm. like with the... Um, it, it's kind of anti-conversion if you think about it. It's like I, I don't necessarily need to um, have people immediately convert 
on the thing for it to be lucrative for me. Because some of the tools yeah. that I have or some of the services that I have in there, they are long-term things, right? There are either courses themselves or services agencies, people who want to build a relationship with the people who read the newsletter, click on it, check it out, and then start interacting with the company. That mm -hmm. monetization on conversion could take years to actually come back to me. But right. it is immediate monetization that pays the not so low convert kit bills and you know all the the things around it that the media business creates in, in terms of expenditure. So it's sure. it's a nice way to immediately monetize the product. You're absolutely right that if I really spent a lot of time and energy on turning this sponsor slot into hey here is here's more of me that you can purchase and then you have a lot, that would also not be a bad idea. Let me let me rephrase mm. this. That would be a great idea. So that, I think that yeah. uh, I, I can definitely try this. The thing is, you know what? This is one of those things where um, bias comes into play because I think it's yet again the loss aversion bias because if you make, mm. and I, I think I'm somewhere between two and 4,000 a month, depending, right? If you make that right into your bank account from somebody else in, mm -hmm. in like a billable form, that is money that is right there. And if you would have to create a good enough copy to convert that exact amount of money in your own products, now all of a sudden I need to do more work than just selling those placements, you know, and it, it's, it's more risky because it comes like down the line. Thanks for sharing the, the questions because it makes me think like, why not? <laughs> it's kind yeah. of where I'm at right now. But I, yeah, I do like the, sponsors. It's kind of nice. This is the, we're we're going to turn this into a little bit of a rant, but I'm curious. I think this is a, a good strategy session here. What? Mm -hmm. um, so what do you do? I mean, I think, you know, uh, your initial state of what's going on does not surprise me at all. I think everybody could kind of see this coming with the you know, down the, like people cutting jobs and things like that, you know, that, that sponsorship budgets are one of the first things that's very sort of likely to contract, you know, mm -hmm. even if we're not in a full blown recession, just once people's optimism starts to wane a little bit, that's one of the first things. So, you know, you run a media business that's largely driven on, uh, sponsorships, or let's say it's an important component. Mm -hmm. How do you adapt? What do you do? What's the game plan? Well, fortunately, I have the books and I have the course and I have mm -hmm. consulting. I just added a, a rather price intensive consulting package to my Twitter course. Like the course okay. is $25 because it's like a four hour video course that I put a lot of work into and I've sold like a, a mid five figure amount of that course already, which is nice. Okay. nice. But I thought, well, nobody seems to know that I do consulting about this kind of stuff If uh, and nobody has the option to actually purchase it. Like I, I have my consulting thing on my website, but people need to actively seek out my website and then want me to consult. So they need to find a little consulting link. And that's mm. that's how they, they find like the opportunity for me to spend like an hour or two with them and set up a strategy about their business or about Twitter growth or whatever. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, let's just add that to the Gumroad page. Let's just uh, charge mm. right on Gumroad. I, I have set it at $500 because I want to see if that is a price that people are willing to pay to, to set this up. Sure. And um, I just have a, a Calendly booking link in there for the extra tier. And then they book this two-hour call that I suggested, and then we have a chat, and then we set up a strategy, and then people know exactly how to spend the next couple of days, weeks, and months to build uh, a Twitter presence that they can be proud of, right? That's mm. that's kind of wh what I what I thought, why haven't I offered this before? <laughs> because mm -hmm. obviously I, I seem to know a little bit about Twitter, and I seem mm -hmm. to understand like how to build a brand that people enjoy. This is something I can help other people with. I've just really never offered it. 
So mm. I, that, that's like part of my strategy now is to figure out the things that I do well and actually put them front and center for people to find. So that's that's how I would do it. Like there's always the service component, which that would be selling. I don't know. Selling my time is, is that's always kind of tainted as a phrase. But what it actually is, is selling a result. I'm selling sure. people a result of a two hour call, right? You mm -hmm. come in, you don't know what to do. You have two hours with me and then you know what to do. And that's what you pay for. So that's yeah. that's what that that service in particular is. But with the books and, and the course itself, I have a pretty solid um, income distribution. I think okay. it's uh the the it's a it's a 50 50 between sponsored and non-sponsored stuff for me right now mm -hmm. so if sponsorships were completely to ex implode and fall away i would heavily focus on ramping up like you said putting my the, my own ads for my own work both for mm -hmm. my work work my, like my time spent consulting time spent uh helping people and for my purchasable info products that i already have and you Got know I'm, I'm writing the third book and i have ideas for more courses that I could very quickly record because I could just like, you know, talk into the camera for an hour and that would be sure. something somewhat valuable coming from this. <laughs> so that's, that's my strategy would be to do diversify the info products and service products, and then try okay. to figure out a way to establish long-term sponsorships that I don't need to constantly renegotiate. That's mm -hmm. a big deal too. Like that's one of one of the things that bothers me between this is that people book one or two because they're not sure because they don't have the budget. It's not like with MicroAcquire last year where they had effectively a year long weekly sponsorship with me. Right, mm -hmm. that was great. But now mm -hmm. they also have a constrained budget, so that is mm -hmm. that is not happening at the, at the moment. So yeah, I'm kind of mm -hmm. that's what I'm looking for in terms of sponsors. A perfect sponsor is somebody who negotiates with me for a long period of time. We figure something out. I make really cool content and make a video and you know all these kind of things, and then we just consistently bring that message home. That that's what I would look for. That the uh, weekly, daily sponsor hunt that, that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks just drains me. It's, it's mm. all this. Yeah, always have to kind of manage expectations and people haggle over a hundred dollars or something. It's just uh yeah, sure. Really, yeah, don't like it. I I like that idea. I think um, maybe I can generalize a little bit uh, as a a you know counter recessionary strategy for businesses. I think I use this term. The vegetarians are going to cringe massively, but um, I for some reason somewhere I got this idea of like using all parts of the buffalo. It's like uh, referring to like the Native American tradition of, you know, you kill a buffalo and you use every single thing out of it to turn it into, you know, uh, all kinds of tools and clothes and food and all this sort of stuff. And I think like that's a good mindset going into this kind of environment, which is, you know, when things are all just like going great, you kind of just you don't optimize things, especially on the revenue side of things. You get one or two things out there and they're all just working and you move on to the next thing or you just keep going. Now's a good time to really look and say, okay, is it time to price test? Is it time to add pricing tiers? Is it time to add a services component to this sort of thing? Is it time to be, like you said, okay, I'm selling my time. Okay. When everything is you know, going great, you can just say, ah, I don't sell my time, you know, move on. But now's the time to get a little bit like, okay, like maybe we should sell our time a little bit. You know, <laughs> you really start to to look at, okay, I have a customer, I have an audience, I have a product. And how can I make sure that I'm getting kind of the maximum juice out of this squeeze? Um, 
versus, you know, just relying on that kind of top line growth of just like more people coming in, buying the thing off the shelf. Um, I think that's a really good strategy. So yeah, layering that stuff in. I think it, you know, we're seeing it in SaaS businesses as well, where they have the same mentality of like, no, we have this, you know, yeah. self-serve SaaS business. And now it's time to really consider like, hey, maybe you should do some, you know, high price consulting and enterprise tier that actually is more hands-on, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I like that a lot. It's a good way to to expand also your capacity or your your capabilities as a business yeah. owner, right? Like it's great to have this low touch, self serve SaaS, and you just sit at home and the money comes flowing in. But when it doesn't, doesn't mean your business is done. <laughs> I don't know right? any just, business like that. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. Well, there was like Damon Chen just recently posted on Twitter like a photo of him with the stroller and his kid and his Apple Watch, and on the watch was like a Stripe notification, and he just said like, yeah, yeah, somebody just paid me to go have a like on a walk with my kid, which is really that that is you know that's a dream. That's the the indie founder SaaS business builder's dream is to be there with your family and still making money off your incredibly well built and highly monetized SaaS, right? That's kind of sure. where you want to go, but. But in moments where this is not the the only way, or let, let's just rephrase, let me rephrase this. Like in, in moments where this is not enough, it doesn't have to be the only way. I, I really like mm -hmm. what you just said. Maybe look into other ways. I think Brennan Dunn is doing something really cool right now with Palladio, his ConvertKit email template generation and design tool. It's really nice. I use that for my own emails there. Like the, I didn't even know that existed. That sounds very yeah, cool. I think it's palladio.dev, uh, P-A-L-L-A-D-I-O or something like that. Cool. So it's a, yeah, effectively it's a, an email builder f that is specifically targeting ConvertKit users because it has their liquid uh, text substitution, the tags and stuff, liquid okay. HTML, whatever that's called. Like he's, he's been doing ConvertKit from the start. He's like a great uh, sponsor. Brandon here. <laughs> yes. And I have the email draft open already like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen ConvertKit sponsor other emails. So I'm just going to have to talk to, to Nathan here. But um, yeah, the idea is that he, this was just a, a self-serve kind of email builder that you could mm. then copy and paste right into um, ConvertKit for all your, your email newsletters or marketing emails or whatever. It's really cool. But he has figured out um, there is potential, there's, there's way more potential around it because why not have a designer do your email design for you on Palladio? And yeah. he's, yeah. he's currently working with, with Nick who does my, my thumbnails. He's, he's my designer. <laughs> of mm -hmm. course he has way more clients than just me, but he's, he's working for me. And now he is working with, with, um, with Brennan on making Palladio a kind of multi-pronged SaaS business has the low touch going to do it yourself kind of thing. And it has a very high touch. You get your dedicated designer to design your templates and, and figure everything out for you. And I love this idea, not only because two people I really like are involved is always great, but the fact mm. that you can take a SaaS business that runs pretty well, it's, it's a pretty uh, profitable from what I know, and turn this into a bespoke creation system that is also highly monetizable and involves the skills of a real human being that is just specifically applied to one situation. What a great idea. And, and yet another person gets involved in the product and makes it yeah. more valuable. It's really, really cool. And, I think uh, I... I think this is uh, something that I predicted about two years ago. I wrote a blog post basically talking about how 
like we're going to start to see the decline of what I call like empty SaaS, right? Mm -hmm. Where you just like open it up and it's like, here's the raw tools to start making your stuff, right? And you're, and it's kind of like the onus is completely on the user to figure out how to use the tool, figure out how to get from, you know, this empty software product to the actual job they want done. And I think, yeah, like actually we're going to see more and more people starting to use some combination of, you know, um, services, maybe productized services or even AI, right? Like all kind of coming together to say, no, no, you can actually just pay us more and we'll just do the thing for you. We will use our own tool to actually just get the job done for you. Uh, so that's really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me too. And it involves humans more, which is always nice, right? There yeah. was this time when everything SaaS was kind of, kind of pointed at complete automation and, and nothing is ever going through the hands of a human, which because of scalability mostly, right? Like if you can automate everything away, then you just like pay some more money to, I don't know, AWS or something. And all of a sudden you support like 50 times the amount of customers. It's sure. nice. But um, you also have, still have customer support and that becomes a chore and that becomes a problem, particularly if you are a founder like me who doesn't hire, you know, with uh, that's the that's my feedback panda story It's like we had so much automation in the tool that all the work on the business was really just customer service. Like there, mm. there was no need for anything else. And that is not necessarily the most enjoyable thing because it always has this. Uh, and it was enjoyable. That, that's the thing with, with our customers. It was just enjoyable because they were teachers, mm. but they were frustrated teachers. right? And you, mm -hmm. wanna, you don't want to interact with anybody frustrated, at least not mm -hmm. every, every single day. So that, that became quickly a very stressful activity. And um, not saying that ha having more people involved in the process would have made customer service any less interesting, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But uh, it certainly, it shouldn't be the only thing that happens in a business that involves people. And I love the idea of having bespoke stuff created for people who are willing to pay the price and not so bespoke stuff created for people who are not. Another example is my logo, for example, for the Bootstrap Founder. And uh, this year, very t-shirt that... Uh, people who watch this uh, can can see. That was designed by uh, Lucy Barat and uh, Dagobert Renouf, like the, the people behind Logology, which itself is a SaaS business that allows people mm. to create logos in a SaaS, like in, in a, a program. Like they have this, yeah. pay 50 bucks for your logo and you get a really nice logo created or talk to us and we do it the traditional agency way. And that's what I mm. did. Like I, I mean, obviously knowing Dago Bear from Twitter, where he's always enjoyable and funny and sharing his story. He's on the the podcast, this indie life, where he talks about this the journey with logology and his business and stuff. So I I already was kind of predetermined to interact with him in some way. But getting this custom experience, first off, getting them to design a really nice logo and then the merch and stuff around it that I can use to project my brand. That is something that I wouldn't necessarily trust to an AI just yet, right? Sure. Because sure. that's that's not what a software. Um, I I don't yeah I don't know what it is, but if if it's something that is supposed to be between humans, which a brand technically is, I want humans to be involved in the making of it. And I think we see more and more of this now that AI is so prevalent, where people I have so many stories, man. I recently like wrote a, a cover letter to for something that that needed a cover letter. And I used ChatGPT for it because why wouldn't you, right? You're like that thing writes so much better than you do. And I, I got the result that I wanted. Obviously, I switched a couple things up and stuff, but I was thinking, 
the quality of ChatGPT writing things that you task it to write, if you provide it with enough information on why and how and and the the outcomes you want, that quality is superb. And the fact that even spending 10 minutes on that interaction with ChatGPT created such a high quality cover letter will shift the baseline of expectations in the industry to what communication is significantly. Right? That, yeah. that is something that I was thinking about. If everybody has access to ChatGPT for everything, then we can expect yeah. cover letters, resumes, uh, any professional communication to be massively impacted in terms of what people expect in terms of quality and lucidity and clarity that comes out of people's or into emails inboxes, uh, people's mm-hmm. email inboxes. Not yeah. sure how I feel about this because... That raises the bar a lot for actual human interaction and at the same time kind of lowers it because even just a nice hello that is not machine generated feels so much more genuine compared to all the, you know, machine augmented communication that we see happening right now. I, mm-hmm. I'm rambling, but th- this yeah. part is the rambling part, so I'm allowed to. <laughs> how, how, do, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I feel I feel like we should re recenter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just such a strong feeling. Like with the AI thing, yeah. I, it just dawned on me how how massively uh, a globally ex- accessible tool like ChatGPT will impact what people expect communication to look like over the next couple of years. Sure. And that kind of frightens me because you know the the have you ever heard this Ira Glass quote about your capacity to do a thing and your understanding of what the good thing is that they are very far apart and through yes. practice and working on it you get closer and closer. ChatGPT yeah. really lifts what you th- know a good thing to be, but your initial capacity is still down here. So I'm mm. I'm thinking that the the, the yeah the, how how divergent they are just got massively bigger. And that mm-hmm. can be a problem for people getting started with anything. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm noticing, but I kind of <laughs> want to. This is, a, this is an interesting problem. This is kind of a, an interesting technical, soci- socio-technical challenge, I feel. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> let's switch gears a little bit. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> let's talk about, um, let's talk about, actually, do, you want to talk about common MBA stuff for, for a yeah. second? Yeah, let's okay, do that. Right. I, I've seen you um, be very active on Twitter. Go, go yeah, ahead. So, so first of all, uh, accountability podcast is working because uh, on the last podcast, I said I would put up a form uh, for folks to, you know, express their interest in working with us on this. And then I realized I hadn't done it until this morning. Uh, and so I did it. So, um, yeah. Uh, mission accomplished. The the accountability loop is is working here. Um, <laughs> um, so fortunately, we did have some people reach out to us, you know, directly from from listening to the podcast. I got the form live just this morning, um, looking at you know a decent number of folks in the last literally a few hours. Um, I think uh, I want to ask your opinion on this because. Um, so first of all, the responses, some of the things I asked in this form, so if you go to my Twitter, you can see it. Um, I asked a couple of questions like, how far along are you in the sort of business stage, right? Just an idea, are you already working on something? I also asked folks about some of the questions you and I have been talking about, like what would the sort of ideal format be? Something like self-paced content, you know, just essays, all the way to a workshop, accelerator, all that sort of stuff. Um, the responses are just 
literally almost exactly all over the map with these things. Mm -hmm. um, there is absolutely no clustering as far as I can tell. And from conversations as well, I have not seen much of a clear answer or clear pull for a particular format. And I think I'm wondering if we have been sort of, as in you and I, have been framing the challenge of this incorrectly. I think we kind of came at this with like, oh, you know, we have tons of great content, you know, either actually produced or um, things that we've kind of written on or around about or had tons of discussion on. Uh, all we have to do is just kind of like figure out exactly how to package it up in a way people like. Um, and we kind of treated that second half as like the sort of easy part. We'd do that in public. We'd ask people, we'd like maybe run one or two experiments and we'd figure that out. You know, we'd have to think too hard about that. I'm kind of thinking that maybe that is the hard part <laughs> of actually like people don't necessarily know what format is going to be the most motivating and, um, and effective for them. And yeah, they read our tweets and they know there's good stuff there but they don't know what the answer is. And I'm kind of thinking like maybe, maybe this is something we can't just, I don't think we've exactly been doing this, but I feel like we've sort of like build in public outsource this, right? Like in the sense of you might be like, what's a good name for my you know, new blog, right? And you just like get some good answers there. Um, maybe we just have to take a bet and like make a decision ourselves and do the work up front to make it ready and then put it out there. Yeah, How do you I feel that? I, that's that's kind of where I'm where I'm at as well, knowing okay, having had having had conversations with people that showed similar results. And yeah, people, that's a, that's the thing. Generally, people don't know what they need. They, they, they only know what they want, but they don't know what they need. And sometimes they, they want not what they need. And, you know, like the, it's, it's complex. It's a complicated thing. Right. I believe that uh, whatever we do, like whatever we do, um, if we if we create a um, uh, self-paced thing, or if we write a book about it, or if we record a podcast about it, or if we do right. the workshop thing or whatever, it will leave us with something useful to then, if it doesn't work, convert into a different format. And if it, if it does work to work, uh, to, to make better, to improve upon. So yeah. I, what I generally believe is any work put to this is useful and will be useful in the future. What I would mm. suggest we do at this point, because I feel like we can guess as much as we want, is just really have invite the people that responded to the thing to a, a workshop with us um, and talk to them about it. Like give mm. them a structure and say how many of you are on board. Like tell them, I know for the next four weeks, every Friday we're gonna have a, an, an hour and a half of a call of a workshop, mm -hmm. and you, you you have to bring updates or whatever. Like figure this out with them during that first initial conversation. And if they say, no, nah, I don't really have that time. I don't want to spend that much on it. Or we could do more. We could do this like two days a week or something. We get more information just from having the conversation. Because between the two of us, we know what our preferences would be. But that doesn't say, like you said, anything about uh, not just stated, but also kind of subconscious preferences that other people show by either showing up or not. So we can mm -hmm. ask as, as many times in a, you know, a survey or something as we want. But the 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 thing that decides if a thing works or not is when you present it and people either buy into it or they ignore it. Right. Or they, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I agree. 
I think um, I'm Go just ahead. trying to see if we can get even more, like if we can tighten the screws on that even more. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm almost thinking like, I think maybe we've been trying to think about this from the sense of the the individual entrepreneur's journey, right? We've said like, hey, the job to be done here is getting someone from point A to point B. And we're not really sure exactly what the right A is or the right B necessarily. I mean, we know the long, long, long term, but we can't promise that, right? We're not gonna handhold you all the way to, you know, a massive exit and, uh, you know, we can't, necessarily get you from uh whatever high school right yeah. so we've got to figure those out and i wonder if actually we should just t- tackle it kind of topic by topic first and and build it this way so maybe if instead of like a bunch of people saying hey welcome to the experimental batch of calm mba we're going to try to take all of you who are all over the map some of you have a lot of time some of you are still working some of you have an idea some of you don't have idea and we're going to try and get all of you you know from here to here Mm -hmm. if instead we start breaking it up into some of the topics so Mm -hmm. a lot of the questions for example would be around you know how do i think about building a company right what does that company structure look like how should i think about um, funding to the extent that it exists how should i think about you know cost effective customer acquisition those sorts of things should we potentially start to just tackle those topics one by one in a format that um, that also has some interactivity? So almost like, you know, hey, this is module one on this and we can write a little bit. We could potentially, you know, record something ourselves. We could do a version of the podcast that could talk about this sort of topic. And then we do like an open roundtable to see who who wants to come in and ask questions about it, that sort of thing. What do you think about that? It, it does remind me so strongly of the Small Bets community by Daniel Vassallo, of which I'm okay. part and that I know a lot of people that are part of that. Uh-huh. Because Daniel, Daniel has like ongoing, I think, weekly recurring pe- meetings that people can just join or not. <laughs> it's kind of the idea. Yeah. And he records, he records every um, talk that is given by people that he invites for special topics into the community. Like, I uh, can take a quick look at it. So, it's, you know, like the, the spread of the topics here. Um, let me find my mouse. Well, my mouse is gone, so I won't be able to do that for some reason. The complicated technology here. But um, yeah, the idea is that every week or so, he has a kind of um, event. He had like Sahil from Gumroad mm-hmm. there talking about the state of the creator economy. Then yeah. April and Alter about getting started on YouTube. And Justin Welsh was there about LinkedIn. Like all these topic-specific talks, like an hour or so every couple days like every five days every every seven days every week and then you know the domain first development peter askew was there Uh, it's really really interesting mix gumroad crash course how to get the attention of highly influential people like that's what this community is about building these small bets it's it's really not that different from what we want to do it's just with a different perspective and a a different kind of SaaS uh business focus but so the Mm -hmm. idea is he has this community that consists of a website that he built where people log into they they pay to be to be uh able to access that community it has a discord where people just form community by being present there. And then it has these recurring events where, you know, it's like a weekly catch up or a weekly 
introduction into the community that is live and and then these other events that are effectively recorded as lessons individual sessions around a certain topic this mm. is something we could just copy one-on-one -on -one and would probably be quite useful depending on how much we, we charge for access if we do like free access for a couple beta testers or something like this mm -hmm. it, it feels like the community aspect um creates this kind of cohort like feeling and if we um and i do have that time spend some time administrating and keeping some control over the community which is going to be interesting then mm -hmm. that can be empowered to for people to help each other the recordings of sessions with cool people is something we had planned anyway so that right. might be something that uh that is really helpful for people in the moment as either a live recording or something we organize with them and then edit into something useful that could also be kind of a uh, two different things and then having access to this makes it so much more valuable to join the community at any point right and you don't have to be mm. there from the start because it's not something you have to be there like every week you can skip a week or two do your thing and then watch the recordings of what happened during that week it's just kind of a an, a self-paced but real-time effort so i think that could marry the the two ideas and with that community we have a a pretty successful example in the reality of uh, our field. Like if yeah, people know what this is. Sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think it makes sense. I mean, I think that it's just, you know, I was having a, a, a conversation about this with some of the folks who are planning live events again, and, you know, sharing my experience from the, the summits that we've done mm -hmm. where, um, it, it's just, it's very hard to build something where you have to catch people at the exact right moment, right? And so with the summits, for example, like, you know, you never made it to either of two summits over two years. And I'm sure yeah. you're like really wanted to, but yeah. it's just, you know, it's very hard. Like you have this funnel of all these people that are super interested. And then you have all these filters of, you know, can they, do they already have a wedding planned that month? And yeah, do they have right. other stuff or they're expecting a baby or this sort of thing, you know? And it's just like, you, you, you get all the way down to this narrow funnel of people from who really want to experience this thing to the yeah. people who can actually logistically make it happen. And it's just very hard to build a business, to build a great product around that when you have such a kind of aggressive filter. And I feel like we've kind of been setting ourselves up for a similar situation where we're trying to get, we're trying to build something around getting people from exactly point A to point B. Yeah. And if you're not at point A, you're not going to be the right fit. And if you're not trying to get to point B, you're not going to be the right fit. And it turns out that's just super hard to find like a critical mass of people who are at exactly A, you know, and like really want to do this and all, all the other kind of things. And so I wonder if we want to just kind of release that a little bit for a moment and just start producing stuff that we think would be applicable to people somewhere in this, you know, broader spectrum um, and start there and then start to refine that over time. How do you I feel like about idea. I, I like this idea. I like that. If you think about it, like from, the, from this uh, vantage point, we are kind of boxing ourselves in quite a bit by yeah. trying to find exactly the right people to do the exact right four or eight weeks of step taking to get to result B, which not only is it is it hard, which it always will be if, if you want to teach people, but it, it also requires them to sacrifice quite a bit, right? Like it's, it's not that we give them any opportunity to just sit out a week and then like do it a week later if it works for them then, like either they're there or they're not. They're gonna, yeah. gonna miss the interactive part. 
and um, which is why I thought of the small bets thing because there is an interactive part every week where people can like join in and do Q and A. That would be effectively what we would do, right? We would have a either we we record a thing live or we produce it beforehand and then publish it in a live session and have a, an active interactive Q and A session at the end of it. The interactive Q and A session is what people tune in for in sync. And the thing that we record is async by nature and is consumable in async nature. We could even turn, like, that's the great thing about this idea. I'm getting very excited about this. The great <laughs> thing about, about having this kind of async catalog is that with every new thing you create, you kind of create a bigger product outside of it. You create the absolute like video-based compendium that with now transcription technology available and, you know, like outtakes and and uh, small segments available snippets that you can pull out of this you can create a searchable video database of content you can the people can you could probably feed the transcripts into an ai have an ai bot in the discord and people ask it i need this and this information what should i watch and it tells you video 17 started minute minute 21 right that kind of stuff is a massively time saving and specific problem solution fit that I think uh, a community tool, a community plus tool plus lecture plus weekly or bi-weekly, whatever we choose to do, live event could facilitate for everybody. So I would definitely w want to take a look at that uh, and the, the specifics of it if, if you're up for that. Yeah, why don't we set as our kind of, you know, deliverable between now and next time, you tell me if this makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe like an eight to 10 week sort of roadmap okay mm -hmm. so like what does this thing look like from launch what yeah. is the physical instanti instantiation of it you know in terms of is it a forum is it a live thing is it a pre-recorded is it a q a and then the the topics um that we would want to sort of dive into for the first 10 weeks yeah. and when we can basically look at it and see like okay is this going to be a useful starting place or or not you know I'm a fan. Oh, I'm so glad we're doing this in public. Like anybody who listens to this, I hope their <laughs> mouth is starting to water but from all the, the potential in this because I'm excited about it too. Also the idea of just uh, like what Daniel is doing with all these wonderful people from our community and from outside the community who have these really specific ideas and specific knowledge, pulling them in and making the stuff that they do available later and outside of it is... is uh, it's going to be great. It compensation is going to be interesting because I think Daniel uh, Daniel pays people for these sessions because he gets to reuse them massively yeah. over time. So we we would need to uh think about how we would do that. I think that's also part of the 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 planning. I think in the beginning it would be us sharing what we all already want to put in there, but over time we can add more and more interesting people. I think we could probably get several people from the the calm mentor space to very much do this as part of their mentorship like activities i have a or... long 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 list of very interesting people who've been sort of waiting for me to <laughs> okay, say hey do you want to do this thing <laughs> basically yeah. yes yeah I'd, I'd be excited about that too because I, I one thing that i love about this idea is like getting getting actual experts in <laughs> no no dig at you or me but you know like having having people that really really know something be in front sure. of people who really need it and not just yeah. us, but, but everybody else who really can bring something to the table that excites me. I'm going to talk to Daniel about this cool website he's been building. Like he's effectively built a little tool that houses the, the parts of the community that are not on discord. 
like all the recordings and all the event planning, the calendar and uh, a directory of people in the community, which is also kind of cool. I wonder how he built that. And I wonder if he's willing to give that away. I'm going to have a chat with him about this because uh, that that would be an an interesting software project to not have to completely build by hand. But it's, yeah, that, that is, I think that's a great idea. I think going, going like an eight, eight to 12 week or however many roadmap that would also give us, I think like how, how many posts, blog posts did I write about this? I think it was like 10 ish as well. Yeah. Was something in that range. Be, yeah. yeah. I mean, th- that stuff, I think alone, stuff that there's definitely some stuff that, um, that, that you didn't cover. And that also would definitely not be, I think that'd be some thematic overlap with, with small bets. I'm not in that community, but I mm-hmm. see what comes throughout, comes out of it on Twitter and stuff. There'd be like some thematic overlap, but of course there's a lot of like practical stuff, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about building a company versus a kind of solopreneur, you know, portfolio kind of approach that there's a lot of things that we could talk about. I mean, I think like building a team is, is a big one. There's constantly active discussions around, you know, how do I build a distributed team? How do I pay them? How do I, you know, source folks from different parts of the world? How do I keep that whole thing lean? How do I think about, you know, compensation as Mm a calm company in a world where, you know, people are throwing money at, uh, uh, you know, developers and stuff like that. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of different topics that we could also delve into that I think would be new ground, um, even for folks who might be ravenous consumers of your essays on the series and and small bets and other stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, qu- quite a few, I think, things we could we could really dive into. As yeah, well. I don't. I don't think we would run out of new topics to have like an hour long conversation. We already do this, like kind of just shaking it uh, out of the, the woodwork around like our lives right now. Right. It just, uh, yeah. we, we find these topics to talk about for hours that are just like randomly sourced with some afterthought or for, forethought, I guess this could probably be even more like specific yeah. in helping people. Yeah. I like that. Uh, we, we have stuff for, for years. That's, that's how I feel about this. That, and and it's an evolving subject too, which is great. Like we can constantly like update the stuff we're talking about and uh, adjust it to the reality out there. I hope that in a couple of years from now we're gonna have like the the big money sponsorship spenders coming back, not just for my sake, but for the sure. whole creator economy, right? Where people can now finally do the thing they wanted to do and not like try to grab every single cent that they can find along the way. So th- that will also impact how we approach business but yeah super cool yeah i'm that that is that is gonna ooh, that's that's a lot of work for for one more week my my parents are going to come over to canada on the 19th which is uh t- two and a half weeks from now it's going to be hilarious. okay they don't speak they don't speak a word of english so that's going to be so much fun um having them here uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that but I, i'm just going to tell you this because that that means from you know around the 19th to like 10 days later i won't be much available for many different things i we might still i no i don't think we can actually do the the podcast on on that wednesday the first wednesday but maybe the next one so i'm just okay. telling you that at, at the end of the month i'm going to be slightly occupied by germans wandering through the canadian landscape trying to figure out what that to sounds do. awesome yeah, please please uh please do a little twitter vlog of uh your parents visit canada <laughs> I, I i totally watch like a one minute a day you know update on, on that whole experience <laughs> oh we we have so many plans we're gonna go to toronto and do the big city and then uh, niagara falls like see the falls there and do countryside and stuff it's gonna be a lot of fun cool yeah. uh 
That sounds awesome. Um, a couple of quick things. Okay, so this sounds great. We should definitely do it. We should, you know, we should, I think uh, time pressure is good. You know, I think yeah. at this point, we're both feeling also a little bit like uh, we've strategized long enough. It's time to get rolling. So that's great. Um, one thing that just popped into my head randomly is um, we should do, a, a, would you be open to doing like a recorded version of your Twitter consulting uh, for me? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> um, that'd be fun. So just randomly, I was like, "Oh, he's doing these." Like, <laughs> you know, let's show, don't tell that as well. Just like, uh, anyway. Um, so that would be super cool. Um, but uh, second thing, what did I? I had two things, and I just completely dropped it. Um. Anyway, I don't yeah, know. That's 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 yeah. when you get excited by Twitter consulting. <laughs> tell you, you forget about everything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, well, you, you know, like you can, you and everybody listening to this can always reach me with the second thing or first thing uh, in Twitter DMs, whatever you want to talk about. I'm always up for that. Um, yeah, that, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of work, like um, building this, particularly a little, the community integration and being present for, for people, that's going to be something. And then also considering the monetization down the road because like daniel can pay people because it costs people like 300 bucks or something to join the community it's a one-time sure. purchase they can stay for however long they like they can join every live event they can also not join any live events and it's it's perfectly fine which is kind of cool because you allow people to self-pace which is mm. something that i that i personally really enjoy as a person that doesn't want to show up when other people have time right i want to do it when i feel like it so yeah that's cool but that that monetization thing will impact how we can like long-term run this as a community and mm. unless we have like ulterior ways to or alternative i guess ways to monetize but if there like if, if there is a, a potential um, investment in there for you or if there is like a couple sales or something in it for me that wouldn't hurt me either but it would be nice to know how this as a business itself is constructed right so we, we would have to think about that that's um that's definitely something that is important for us to figure out because it impacts our bottom bottom line with all this but yeah mm -hmm. fun funny we, we didn't even really get to talk about the big topic that we wanted to talk about today what about Sounds that? Sounds like us. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> ranting about other stuff. Yeah. Uh, See, all good. We can talk about it next week. You know. Yeah, whatever. that's right. It, it's 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 funny because spontaneity is part of it. So I, I'm, uh -huh. you know, it's kind of <laughs> part of this whole conversation. Yeah. yeah. My rant earlier. I I could I could talk about I spontaneously this. Spontaneously derailed the entire podcast. Yeah. Good. But See. <laughs> the, the AI topic is is so incredibly present in my life as as a writer mm -hmm. and everybody on Twitter and my community is like every day something changes and mm. um it, it, it's kind of freakishly fast how the, the field is evolving and anything that is freakishly fast in a society usually like breaks it in a way right yeah like you, if you even look at privacy laws and how long it took us to figure out what privacy is and how google may not be our friend when it comes to privacy like this is a situation we are dealing with now Right, the, the European privacy law is like three years ago. Google exists sure. since like 2000 and something, like or 98, 97. I don't know. That's an old company with, and it was always their idea to do this. And in 2020 something, we dealt with it with regulation. And if if that is the internet, which in many ways very slowly developed compared to what we see mm. with AI now. I'm just freaking out left, right, and center about these kind of speed increases and the impact that these tools have on, on our communities. 
But I think that uh, is- I think we should have a, a definitely in our first ten weeks we should have a how to stay calm in the in the world of, of AI progress uh, yeah. module. Have a couple people I think on. That- that is a really, really good idea. And I, I hope yeah. the advice we give lasts for longer than a couple of weeks, you know, because <laughs> you, you never know with technology. Yeah, that, that is, oh. um, that, that's an important thing. I think uh, that might give us, that, that's what I was trying to say. Like there's always new topics because with new technologies and new developments, we have yeah. to react to them. And being part of our community will be the place where you hear about it first and you get to deal with it best, uh, to deal with sure. it best, right? That's, that's kind of what I want this place to be. I'm excited. Oh, uh, if you can, if, if you can tell. I remember what my second thing was, is how's Go the ahead. podcast doing? Doing great. Like I'm in a uh, month of uh, four. Sorry, no, four. I mean, how is this podcast doing like uh, numerically? Like how are, like, are people subscribing to it? Yeah, I don't, I don't have access to it. Yeah, it's, I was I'm trying to say we're a month like what, uh, two or three right now? Oh, and sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, don't, don't worry. I, the, the podcast to me is, is always uh, an, an ambiguous term because. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were talking about your other podcast, which I also want to hear how that's doing. But, you know, like I was asking about this one. Which, Both you know. are spectacular. We, we are 10 published episodes in. We have like roughly 3,000 downloads, which is nice. Okay. And um, I, I looked on, on Spotify recently. We, we get a solid 100 plus downloads on the day of release, which is nice. Okay. And yeah. um, I think if, if we had a, a cadence that is actually weekly, <laughs> we would improve it a bit more, but it's still okay. perfectly fine. I think posting it to Twitter is always a good idea. Like I, the link yeah. of it and the, the whole podcast itself, I'm going to keep doing that, I think, because that is just fun because people can then listen to it or watch it right there. And yeah, we, we get, what is it, 200 listens within the first 30 days for okay. for each episode. It's just kind of nice. So, On Spotify? And, and on, on sure. all together like that that's how much i can pull into transistor i i would have to check yeah. every every single page all by itself but it's all right i think a hundred something subscribers is what transistor thinks we have okay that's there's yeah. a lot of cool people listening to us rambling or yeah, listening to me rambling and you trying to get me out of it so it's <laughs> <laughs> really fun <laughs> now i think cool. i think it's it's going real great and my other podcast is doing great too but this part, podcast in particular is doing pretty well. Yeah, you what wasn't it something you you gave it like twelve weeks? That's that's how many calendar invites I have for this. If I check yeah. my calendar, you said let's let's uh, let's think, give it twelve yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to keep doing it? How do you feel about it? Oh yeah, it feels really good. It feels really good. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if maybe within two episodes we will actually have figured out you know more or less how to launch this, and maybe it will mm. morph slightly, like maybe. I mean, I still like the just ad hoc catch up as well, but it might start to blend into yeah. some more straightforward called MBA content. I mean, um, who knows? But um, that's yeah. pretty cool, actually, that we're coming you know, right we, up on 12 yeah. weeks. That's, that's really cool. We, we should we should force people who join the Calm MBA to listen to the first 11 or 10 episodes of oh, this God. show to even get to the content. How about that? How about if you do that, you get in for free, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's a little test. Answer like two questions per episode. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I yeah. I think it, it definitely wouldn't hurt for us to, to shift the format into something that we could then reuse. I mean, it's already video. It's already recorded. Might just yeah. as well. Like, you, we could have like our little intro part and then we go right to it. We cut that out, put the, the, the middle part into the community and the rest of it is just us kind of rambling on and on. 
That yeah. sounds like a reasonable thing. Then I have to edit this. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I, I guess that's that's work I will do. Yeah, cool. cool. Um, do you have a shout out for this week for anybody? Oh, boy. Yeah, so it's always hard because I want to shout out everybody on Twitter. feels like there's so many cool people in my community that I want to give a, a big old shout out to. I think, uh, yeah, let, let me just give one to, to Bilal Khan. Uh, Bilal was inviting me. Uh, I was on a little wor work, uh, or what was it? Like a little, little Zoom chat with him last week. And I was there with a couple people from his community or from the people that, that like, are, he is involved with on Twitter and entrepreneurship and stuff. And we talked about a project that he's working on and kind of, I did some ad hoc consulting, which was a lot of fun. And I think mm -hmm. just inviting me, onto a zoom call and just like asking me questions about business that is always enjoyable and i want to give him a big shout out for doing this and recording it and then posting it to twitter i think that's the important wow. part like that's that's the part the sharing part that i'm that i'm super grateful for so yeah that's that's bilal that's i-b-i-l-a-l-k-a-y-y -Y, bilal khan or e bilal k -E. <laughs> that's that's his name just want to give him a big shout out because that was nice awesome cool man well See you next week. I think we shall talk to talk to each other next week. Looking forward to getting this moving into yet another interesting direction. And yeah, yeah. next week is going to be a lot of fun. So talk to you then. Okay.